Hello, everyone. My name is Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for July 26, 2017. Today's topic is delivering profoundly remarkable customer service with guest Chip Bell. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do so. Email me at alan at benchmarkportal.com. It's A-L-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com. And now I would like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Hello, thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, we all want to deliver good customer service, but it takes something more to deliver truly remarkable customer service. In my time in this industry, I found that a combination of really good planning, good technology, and engaged, well-trained agents and supervisors makes a world of difference in getting to this goal. I have also found that while some leadership and customer service principles never change, people do respond well to change-ups, that is, tips and techniques that freshen the approach and simply keep the adrenaline pumping for your people on the front line. And that's why we've brought in an expert in both leadership and adrenaline for you, Chip Bell. Welcome to the show, Chip. Oh, thank you, Bruce. It's an honor to be with you. This is exciting. Yes. Well, we're just very excited to have you with us. Uh, and Chip, uh, for those of you who don't know him, is a renowned keynote speaker and author of several best-selling books, including Take Their Breath Away, Managing Knock Your Socks Off Service, The Nine and a Half Principles of Innovative Service, and Sprinkles, Creating Awesome Experiences Through Innovative Service. Great books all. Now, his newest book is the best-selling Kaleidoscope, Delivering Innovative Service That Sparkles, which was just released in February 2017. Dr. Bell has appeared live on CNBC, Bloomberg TV, CNN, ABC, CBS, NPR Marketplace, and his work has been featured in Fortune, The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, USA Today, Business Week, Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine, CEO Magazine, Money Magazine, and Fast Company. This is a record, Chip. So basically, Chip, you're everywhere. You're omnipresent. <laughs> and, and we're I'm, a, so glad I'm, a live, you, I'm a live omni-channel. <laughs> that's right, live omni-channel, exactly. And we're glad you're here on Call Talk with us today. Well, thank so, you. So, uh, Chip, you know, one, one of the things is uh, we want to hear your tips on profoundly remarkable customer service, uh, mainly obviously directed at the customer contact arena. But I want you to feel free to pepper your comments with stories from other areas of customer service because they're very illustrative as well. And I've heard some of them, and they're really uh, things that our audience is really going to want to know about. So tell us from your point of view, what is profoundly remarkable customer service. Well, that's uh, I appreciate you starting there because it gives us a good foundation. Um, I think every organization in the world knows that um, it, there are many definitions of customer loyalty. One is, does the customer come back? Do they buy more? Do they trust you more? Do they forgive you more? But I think that the most uh, important measure of whether the customer is truly loyal is whether or not they advocate for you on advocate on your behalf. We all think of the net promoter scores in terms of would you recommend. 
But what I have found is that when, you know, it's not just saying, well, I like them, I'd go back there, or you ought to try them out. What really turn, uh, moves the dial, so to speak, and creates uh, people who are saying, golly, i got to go there, is when you have a customer that has had an experience so profound that they tell a story. When they remark about it, they don't just say, I'd go back. They say, Lee, you won't believe what happened to me. And so what I do is help organizations um, create that kind of experience. I call it value unique that is designed to create a story that customers are eager to tell. So that when I say profoundly remarkable, it had a profound impact on me so much that I'll remark about it with a story. Well, you know, and that, that idea of value unique is a great concept, and I'd like you to expand on that for our audience because I think they'd be very interested in hearing it. And this, this idea that the value unique experience will, in fact, create the advocates that you're talking about. And, um, and then I, I think we get into how do we, in our day-to-day work in these customer contact centers, uh, get our colleagues our frontline agents, to open their eyes and their hearts, really. I mean, because at a certain point, a lot of this has to do with connecting, doesn't it? It does, uh, absolutely. So that, so that they can actually perform on that, they can actually feel it and actually feel good about it. So can you, can you talk to us a little bit about, I, I realize I just dumped a whole bunch of stuff. No, 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 no. I can unpack that. I have no doubt that you can work your way out of it. Yeah, yeah I, can unpack, I can unpack that. Um, I, let me start with your first part, and that is um, difference between what we normally think of as value-added versus value-unique. Value-added, obviously, is taking what the customer expects and adding more. Every organization knows they're supposed to exceed the customer's expectations, not just give them what they expect, no more, no less. That creates a satisfied customer, not one who's going to go, this is terrific, this is amazing, this is unique. Um, and, and the problem with that is there's nothing wrong with that approach of value added, but it has some limitations. If I exceed your expectations, uh, let me give you an example. If I'm a frequent traveler on an airline and they upgrade me to first class, you know, I'm pretty excited, but guess what I won't expect the next time I show up? So the problem with value-added is it, it, by definition, can elevate the customer's expectations. And so then you add more, and then you add more. Pretty soon you've run out of room, I mean, and you bankrupt the organization. You know, most organizations, you know, airlines need to sell that seat in first class, not just use it as a perk, or the hotels need to sell the concierge level, not just use it as a perk for a frequent guest. Value, value unique is not just taking uh, what the customer expects and adding more. It's adding something unique, unexpected, different. Um, it, it is, and, and, and with that comes the element of surprise. Um, and I think while we have a limited number of ways in which we can be generous, uh, we have unlimited ways in which we can be ingenious. And so it leads you to your sec- the second part of your question, and that is, so what do we do with, ha- what do agents do? And I think it starts with what leaders do, and that is we, we create a- an environment and a setting in which agents um, feel comfortable to be creative, to be ingenious in terms of how they respond. Um, and-, and-, and from the agent standpoint, it is learning to pay attention to um, obviously the emotions involved in the customer and say, what can I do to make this different than they expected, take it a new, in a new way? 
Now, here again, uh, I can hear people in the background of, yeah, but what about all my metrics? And too many organizations, I think, run a contact center by metrics. Um, you can't think of probably any other organization in the role in the organization where people are measured on a minute to minute to minute and call handle time and all of those important. But I think if you look at the great organizations like Zappos, for example, like uh, and I can think of MUSAA Insurance, you know they they have the same important metrics, um, but they care about. Obviously, first call, first contact resolution. They care about did you solve the customer's problem? Did you have the freedom and latitude to to, to make this uh, a, an experience that has an element of charm, not just competence? You know, we all accept expect competence. We all expect a sense of urgency, but you know, bringing that sense of charm, I think, is what creates the opportunity for a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, that's great inputs there, and I think that uh, one of the things that in the contact center world, and of course we're benchmark portal, and so we always talk about yeah, metrics yeah, and, they're, and those are important. very tied to metric. They are important, and they need to, however, be optimized in terms of the customer experience. Right, and that's one of the things right. that we always try to do in terms of talking to our our clients, uh, because actually you learn a lot by actually talking about these things. We've had yes, uh, some. A couple of clients who said, well, you know what, we just threw out uh, average talk time. We're not even going to look at that anymore. And we say, okay, well, we understand the impulse behind that, and we think that's a good impulse. But the fact that you're not going to talk about average talk time anymore means that there's a whole area of uh, exploration and analysis that you're you're giving up. And that's not such a good thing. You could actually – we have actually found situations where we've improved the customer experience and uh, actually, you know, your idea about bringing the ingenious to it, you're talking yeah. about having creativity brought, right? Right. And the only way you're going to bring creativity is if you analyze and think and obsess sometimes over this stuff. And you're, uh, you know, thinking about it on the way home, on the way to work, all that kind of thing. And you're then able to come up with those creative uh, approaches, solutions, and, and other things that make such a difference. And that will, in fact, uh, help you to get do your best on your metrics, but also do your best in terms of uh, the creativity and the uh, the customer experience that you're trying to, to, to build. Absolutely. I, I had the great opportunity to spend time. One of my clients I've worked with over the years has been Rich Carlton Hotels, and I've worked with uh, the call center, their reservation center. And, and, you know, one of the things that um, in the leadership role in that particular area says, you know, I, I, want, a, I want a dashboard that I can use to monitor everything related to that encounter, but ultimately I want to have it in such a way that I that that agent is focused on what matters most, and what matters most is am I ending up with a, a high likelihood that the the guest is going to be happy? To mm-hmm. me, and 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 to me that's the ultimate. Um, so it might take a little bit longer. It might mean I have to do. Uh, pay attention to certain metrics on that uh, dashboard, but I want to free. I want to ultimately free my agent up to say I want to be always thinking about the customer, always thinking about what they need, always thinking about how I can create a great experience, always having the freedom and opportunity to be empathetic with that customer and respond in a way that says he or she understands me, they know me, they care about me. Um, and and I'm I'm more important to them than perhaps a number, and so mm-hmm. that takes I think 
operational excellence. And it takes having the right kind of metrics and having the right kind of, uh, of portals to be able to know where you are and therefore free that agent up to think about the customer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's actually a very exciting process. It, it, uh, at the end of the day, when you're able to uh, do better on your metrics and do better in terms of your customer satisfaction. Wow, and of course right. that is an important metric in and of itself. Yep. Uh, or your net promoter score, whatever it is, then that's uh, your that's all very very important. Well, you know, help us understand some of the things that you've seen over the years with regard to this uh, empathy that you were just talking about. The uh, be, help, helping uh, sort of people uh, to become more empathetic and to connect better with. Their, their customers. Well, here again, working with, it's uh, uh, a great question, Bruce, working with some of the, organi- having the great fortune to work with some of the organizations renowned for great service, um, one of the things you, you hear is in their huddles, in their whatever they may call their huddles, L- Rich called them, calls them line up, some organizations calls them huddle, but there is a time in which before they're online or on, on, um, on call, that they spend time talking about the customer and uh, give stories and illustrations of I had a customer who had this situation and here's how I handled it and they and I think through the telling of stories, um, Rich Carlton has a their whole focus is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen is sort of their mnemonic for their vision of creating a, a, a great, a particular kind of experience for the customer, uniquely, distinctively Ritz-Carlton. But they spend time. They have a 10-minute a stand-up meeting at, in every shift um, in every Ritz-Carlton throughout the world. And basically they, they talk about what did it look like today. Tell stories of examples you saw or, or had yourself in which you – um, fulfill that whole promise of ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. What did we learn today that may impact our guest experience tomorrow, and what information do we need to pass on to the next shift so our guest experience is a seamless one? And so having those kind of opportunities for people to gather and share examples, stories, and illustrations, problems, and challenges builds, builds a sense of, of community and partnership uh, that I think if, if agents feel cared about by their colleagues as well as their leadership, that kind of feeling gets passed on in a caring way um, to their customers. And so the, the, the wise organizations say we need, to, we need to allow time for that. It can be a, being, a, a, being an agent in a, in, a, in a contact center can be lonely. Um, mm-hmm. And so having the sense of connectedness between operators, between agents, I think is a, a very crucial piece to creating that kind of caring culture that then gets transmitted on to the customer. Oh, so so important. I mean, I, we see that all the time. I think that uh, supervisors are so crucial to every call center, the relationships that are built there. One of the things that we saw, in fact, uh, Chip, in a study of 5,000 agents that uh, we did, uh, their feedback is that the most important thing to them is the, the relationships uh, with their supervisor and uh, within their teams. Yep. Uh, there's that old adage, you know, people don't leave their jobs, they leave their bosses. And, yep, uh, we absolutely. And that, that, in fact, was, was true. And so there's a lot of those types of people listening to this call right now. And what we want them to, to, to sort of take away is that there are new and creative ways that you can uh, utilize to help your agents 
and help the agents to help the customers in a better way. You know, just uh, you were talking about the um, uh, hospitality sector, and you, we did something with Air Jamaica, the Jamaica Air Vacations, and also Vegas.com years ago. One of the things that they did that was pretty creative uh, was to have their agents in the off-season go and visit the hotels that they were talking to people about sure. and actually experience themselves. Now, they were an airline. They were able to give people, uh, you know, spare seats that didn't cost them anything. Right. And right. Uh, similarly, for the people that they were promoting, they were able to do it. And uh, it was a huge hit because, obviously, the agents were able to talk from firsthand experience about what this was all about. Right. And secondly, actually, Chip, you'll get a kick out of this. One of their partners said, well, you know, uh, it's great that you're, you know, filling the rooms, but you're not filling our higher price rooms like our presidential suites. And so they said, well, when our people came, did you put them in the presidential suites? And they said, well, no. <laughs> no. Put them in the presidential suites. And yeah. in fact, uh, we heard, uh, one of my colleagues overheard a conversation in which uh, the agent was talking to somebody from the United States who said, you know, this is your honeymoon. This is a really special thing for you, and I want it to be as good for you as it possibly can be. You should really, you know, pay the extra few bucks and go for the presidential suite because it's really, you know, he was able to explain the whole thing and say this will make it extra special. Well, he got that sale. You know, yeah. He got that. So that's the kind of extra uh, thing that's not possible in all call centers. I mean, well, if you're talking about centers that may deal with uh, insurance or some other things, sure. but there are ways of bringing creativity to all situations. Absolutely, and I, I tell you know most of the organizations I work with do focus groups with their customers, and I go, okay, do you tape them, and you bring those back and play, edit it so you've got excerpts from it, and play it for your contact center, because that would give. While you can't put everybody on a plane and, uh, and or put them in a hotel. You can certainly create an opportunity for them to have the line of sight uh, with that customer in a way that that um, can be very uh, provide them great not only great intelligence about what matters to the customer, but a great sense of empathy for what they may be experiencing by seeing a focus group, for example, um, a videotaped focus group, and so. I think you're right. There are creative ways to create, and I think the important to have that emotional line of sight with customers is is so key to any role in a customer service organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and by by thinking about how we bring these things together, I mean uh, stapling learning to empathy to leadership and making it all part of what we as call center managers bring into the center every day uh, is is just so important. Uh, it I think is. It's, uh, it is. Yeah. And yeah, to me, it starts with it starts with leaders who fundamentally trust their agents. Um, I, in working, I've having having worked with a lot of contact centers. You know, uh, the, there are no more that the, there's no one in the organization more brilliant about what matters to their customers than the people who are talking to them every day. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, I ask folks in leadership roles, CEO roles, when was the last time you talked to somebody? who talks to customers all day long about what they're learning and what, what they're discovering and the kind of issues that keep coming up over and over again. Why not use the scout that you have? And I think of the agent as a scout. You know, and I always think about if you were the captain of a fort in the wild, wild west and you sent a scout out 
uh, to see what's in the area, and that scout's gone for three days, and then they come back and they're all wide-eyed. Uh, mm-hmm. You probably don't say, "I can't talk to you right now. I got to go to a meeting." You know, <laughs> you, you'd want to know what they learned. Well, I, I, I like to tell leaders, you got frontline people who are coming back at wide-eyed every day. You know, yeah. and the more we value what they know and what they've learned and their experience, and to, particularly in light of the fact that the more we ask them about what they're learning, what they're seeing, the kind of repeated issues that are occurring, the more they pay attention to those. Uh, mm-hmm. And because now all of a sudden they realize they're a part of the intelligence of the organization that says, um, you know, we, we do research in lots of ways, we do customer learning in lots of ways, but one of our critical ways is through what we learn from the people who interface with customers every day, whether it's click-to-click or face-to-face or ear-to-ear. And, and so I think that is a central part, and I think that forms the core of the trust. Innovation begins with – it obviously involves some risk-taking, and people are more willing to try new things and be, take some risk if they feel they, they are in an, opera, in a, an environment that, that trusts them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're getting some uh, questions in, and uh, Alan, Alan's going to – I was wondering, can I ask you to tell the goldfish story, though, before we – Oh, uh... sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll be delighted to. I'll make it quick. One of my favorite uh, organizations is the Kempton Group, and Kempton Group is a hotel chain now owned by the Intercontinental Hotel. But they their whole focus is on creating a unique experience, meaning – um, people like me who travel every week, sort of the typical Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, Sheridan, they all kind of run together. They all are good, but they all sort of look the same, feel the same. And so they want a unique experience. And so uh, w- one of the things that they do is, the, you know, you've got uh, instead of a typical white bathrobe, you've got uh, uh, leopard or skin uh, print or zebra print. I mean, you some you got a yoga mat in your closet or big old fluffy bedroom shoes or you know soap that's that's shaped like some like a duck or something like. But they've got all kind of unique things that make that customer experience different. But one of the things they do is um, they're very 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 uh, pet friendly. And, um, in fact, I was staying in one of their properties, Winston-Salem, the Kempton-Carlton, over the weekend. And they they even have a dog concierge who's in the property, um, and they're pet-friendly. They say if you can can get your pet through the front door, they're welcome. So that (laughs) kind of rules out giraffes and elephants, but it doesn't rule Shetland ponies out. And um, and so when you when you check in, they'll say, D- "Did you bring a pet?" Uh, well, well, no, I didn't. Well, would you like a pet? <laughs> and you say, "Well, what did you have in mind?" You know, well, we can arrange to have a goldfish put in your room. All we ask that you, is that you give it a name. And so, the first time I had that experience, I, I said, "Oh, goldfish sounds great." And of course, they bought they, they go, and I said, I, "You know, I want to I, I want to name uh, Trixie is a good name for a goldfish." So. They brought Trixie up, and they had a little nameplate for Trixie, and it's in a beautiful basketball-shaped uh, uh, goldfish bowl with rocks and all of that. They take care of it. The housekeeper does. But it's kind of neat to have on the desk in your room a, a, a real pretty goldfish. Well, the next time I checked up, and you know, and handed the front desk a, a clerk my uh, credit card and my driver's license, she leaned over the front, and she said, you want Trixie to come up and spend the night with you again? 
<laughs> and you go, well, how'd they know? How'd they know it's Trixie? Well, they're all guppies. They all they all pretty much look alike. But the <laughs> the point of that whole story is is they're looking for what can we do unique? What can we do to make this a profoundly remarkable experience? They always remind me when I show up about the fact that at six o'clock there's wine and cheese in the lobby. Well, a lot of hotels have sort of kind of the general manager's wine and cheese gathering in the lobby. That's not tip un- unusual for a medium price hotel. Marriotts do that. Sheridans do that. But they do something different, and that is you never know what's going to be added to that. I have been to those where they had a mime, or they had a fortune teller, or they had a you know uh, you know someone reading palms, or any number of things uh, there. A magician, you know, a close-up magician. They're always coming up with ways to say, you know, let's make this different, make it unique. And again, it's part of what creates an experience customers are eager to talk about. And so here again, back to our whole line of thought, if I want an agent to be creative and exciting and charming, if you will, uh, then I need to create an environment in which there is a, not only uh, there's the permission to do that. And so mm-hmm. I, I think and we hire people who are willing to do that, which most people can. Most people can be charming and creative with their family. So yeah, no, that's that's great. Great story, and uh, that line, you know, would you like Trixie to come up and spend the night with you again? I mean, I think just wonderful. Always stay with me. Anyway, well, we've got some uh, questions here that, sure. that Alan's got. So, uh, Alan, uh, why don't we hand it over to you? All, All right. right. So we, we got, got a question, question here from Chris. I'm a boomer manager, and would like your tips on how to engage millennials. How to engage millennials? Is that the question? That's correct. Okay, great. Well, here's the one of the things we know unique about uh, millennials is that they tend to be very purpose driven. They tend to they t- look upon work as not just a job I do every day, but I want some meaning in what I do. And so, I think it's important for them to provide not just an understanding of what they're supposed to do every day, but the rationale behind it. You know, here again, back to my Ritz-Carlton example, and I know Ritz-Carlton's unique. It's a high-end property. It's a luxury property, and there can you can do some things in that environment that you might not do in a typical call center. But nevertheless, they have made sure that people are clear about who there's who there are and their purpose, not just my job. And so I think that's part of what's important. Think the second thing we know about millennials is. They tend to have a much lower tolerance for um, meaningless rules and regulations, and they want more freedom. And so, again, examining what are the things that make people perceive their hands are tied, and it may be some of those rules that might not be important or might not matter. We have rules that are, obviously. Um, but but take it closely examining what is restricting people being able to do the job they'd love to do and the way in which they'd like to do it. I think that's um, that's another one. And we also know that millennials tend to, to want a more flexible lifestyle. And so I work with one organization that, that had 26 um, job um, start and stop times, you know. And so they figured out a way to say, you know, let's accommodate people in the way that fits their lifestyle. Now, some organizations couldn't do that. 
Um, but here again, m- many organizations are saying we need more flexibility in the way we order work in, the, in terms of time, et cetera. I always like to ask people, what time, when do, what time does Amazon close? That's your big competitor, by the way. And when do they close? And so do we want to examine customer access to our organization in a little different way using sort of Amazon as a model, as a metaphor, if you will? So, again, it's thinking, I think, in ways that are how can we provide greater flexibility uh, to particularly to our workforce, particularly millennials. So those are three that come to mind. Yeah, I, I would agree with those. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the whole purpose thing, too, is one thing that I found, Chip, is that people are interested, uh, millennials are interested in that in and out of work. And uh, so if you're able to, you know, give them that sense of purpose in what they're doing at work, that's important. So you have to think of ways to present it to them so that they understand that. And then also if you have a certain structure, it's it's harder for smaller organizations, but who uh, contribute to the community somehow. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. millennials oftentimes feel more uh, binded or more bonded to their workplace when, in fact, their workplace sponsors and uh, sort of helps them get involved with things in their community. So right. you have sometimes people who are new to the community, they've just come in, they're taking a job with you, and they find out that uh, either uh, the cancer organization or scouting or something else that uh, you get involved in that they can somehow uh, facilitate can, in fact, be something that makes them feel better about, uh, you know, working with you. And it's part of that purpose-driven flexibility uh, sort of work-life balance that that, right. that uh, exactly. works out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Back over to Alan. All, All right, so we got, got a question, question here from Linda. Chip, you have great voice modulation. I have some agents who always sound flat, and my coaching hasn't helped. Any suggestions? A tape recorder. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, so many times, you know, and I'm, I'm being part facetious and part serious, and that is, you know, um, do people get a, a way and an opportunity to hear how they sound, um, and are there, uh, are there exercises, there are plenty of exercises out there singers use all the time, to help people uh, create a, a voice pattern that is much more um, uh, interesting. Um, and and, and uh, another way, I think sometimes um, Toastmasters is, or things like Toastmasters can be a very um, uh, helpful device. It's not just learning how to get up in front of people and make a speech, but you learn in the process how to be more theatrical and more dramatic and more, um, I, I work with a call center where the call center um, manager brought in an acting coach and taught people how to be sad or be sound different or sound, you know, and had classes over lunch where people learned theater skills like, you know, and so it was a huge success because it gave people a way to hear, hear their voice uh, as the customer hears it and be able to create a, a, a different range of emotions and how they communicated it like their customer hears it. And so, you know, a Toastmaster or a bringing in an acting coach, and there are oftentimes community colleges that have folks who'd love to come in and do that just for the fun of it, I would imagine. But I think those those are helpful. And in every all of those situations, one of the first things they say is get a tape recorder. And your most smartphones have a capacity on the phone to tape your voice. But – 
listen to your voice and 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 then try different things you know if you you watch um uh, some of the greatest uh, comedians, you know, um, Dana Carvey, you know, is, who can impersonate anyway, anyone. Well, he's a funny, funny guy because he can sound like all the presidents. But he did that by playing the voice of the president, playing his voice and taping it and listening and keep experimenting with it until he developed a way to sound exactly like George Bush or Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or whomever. So. I think it is learning to get that feedback that is critical. Uh, Chip, I think that idea of an acting coach is a fabulous idea and makes the whole thing fun as well. Uh, You know, I think there's probably at least a couple of people listening to this who are going to take that away and do something with it. And I hope that they do because I think, uh, and doing it with somebody at the local community college, it's a great way to uh, sort of bind with uh, or bond with people in the community too. Great idea. Great thoughts. I think we've got time for one more question. Uh, Alan, over to you. Final question here is from John. I tell our agents we need to connect with the customer better. Any tips on how? Um, I think the uh, what I would ask the question: what, What is preventing them from connecting with the customer today? That's the first question I'd ask, and that is: Are they driven by I've got to get through this so fast? Or are they driven by, I have a script I have to follow? Or are they driven by, you know, that red light's coming on and I've been on the phone too long? Um, and I think giving them um, ways to say up front, Miss um, Jones, how is your day going today? What's the most important thing that's happened to you so far today? Um, you know, um, I, I bet you've got a birthday coming up soon. Or finding those kind of rapport-building short questions that provoke a short answer can help connect um, with customers. You know, I, 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 I tell people all the time is, you know, rapport comes from an old French word um, that, that means uh, kinship. And so what, what do I need to do to build a sort of kinship with my customer? And obviously, the thing you do up front, the answers, the, the, the tone, the first thing you say, do we start always by saying, may I have your, um, your phone number or your address or what's your account number? You know, it's a person, and we need to acknowledge it's a person first, and, and you can, there's many things you can do to connect on a very personal level right out of the blocks. It's hosting skills. It's welcoming skills that um, help build that sense of connection without upsetting the, the, the talk time uh, in the process. Because oftentimes, by building that rapport, they'll tell you, well, another problem I'm having is, and now you get to learn about that, and they don't call back again, and you can handle it all in one transaction and not mess up for contact resolution scores. Mm. Great. Well, I don't think there's anything I can add to that uh, answer. It's great, and uh, we've run a little bit over, but I'm glad we did because we've been getting – Great insights. Chip, I really want to thank you very, very much for being with us. Are there any last uh, parting thoughts you want to give us? It's been fun for me, and I hope it's been helpful to the folks who've gotten the chance to listen in. Okay. Thanks for having me. I know it has. Okay. Well, thanks again, Chip, and uh, to our listeners. So I'll turn things over to Alan now to wrap things up. Thank you again, Chip Bell and Bruce Bonfiore, for your insightful discussion on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show. 
and look at a huge selection of archived shows and topics at BenchmarkPortal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over seven seasons of this show. From all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and those fingers ready. This is Alan Pockotter signing out. Have a great day. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.